You are listening to Noteworthy Differences. Introducing an experienced conflict resolution professional uh, with over three decades of leadership experience, Craig Anderson brings a wealth of expertise in helping individuals and groups na uh, navigate conflicts. Throughout uh, their existing career, Craig has worked with diverse backgrounds and cultures, including families, teams, business professionals, and leaders. This extensive experience has provided Craig with a deep understanding of human nature and the ability to empower others to make sound decisions and find resolution. Craig's approachable demeanor and supportive style puts people at ease, fostering an environment conductive to effective conflict resolution. In addition to his leadership background, Craig has owned his skills or training skills and holds a certificate for in workplace assessment and training, TAE 40110, with also a passion for public speaking. Welcome to the show, Craig. Thank you for joining. Hi, Chris. It's really great to be with you here today. Amazing. Um, just uh, getting straight into it, uh, with, with Mediate in mind, uh, your, uh, would you say the, the company name and uh, also put those... Um, that link in the show notes. Um, what was the reason for starting this uh, this organization or company? Yeah, actually, I started MediateMe.com as a business about five years ago. And uh, for most of my career, I've been a church leader. And about five or six years ago, as I was planning to do a transition to new leaders of the local church, I thought, well, I want to keep working after that period. And, and what mm -hmm. am I good at? So I was thinking about how in my role in the church world, I'd done so much work in terms of resolving conflict at all kinds of different levels. Um, you know, I've been a national leader, state leader, a local leader, and and dealt with lots of difficult issues and things like that. So I thought, okay, I've got some people experience here. Uh, so I did a training course to become a qualified mediator and uh, and then uh, now that the church has transitioned, I'm doing uh, mediation as one of the, the main roles that I'm involved in. Perfect. And can you provide an overview of, uh, you know, the types of disputes or conflicts uh, you specialize in mediating or facilitating and how do you approach these specific areas and what unique skills do you bring to the table? Yeah, for sure. Um, in mediation work, uh, there's, kind of like two major areas. So mm -hmm. one major area is to do with couples that are going through divorce and the kind of mediation involved there is called FDRP, Family Dispute Resolution Practitioners. And that's one that I can't do. It's the special training involved for that I haven't done yet. But all other kinds of mediation I can do, which includes workplace mediation, business mediation, neighbourhood disputes, uh, anything to do with a family that's not divorced, so it could be disputes between siblings or couples that are in conflict but mm -hmm. don't want to get divorced, um, elder disputes, faith-based disputes, uh, national redress, which is um, a product of the uh, uh, um, when the uh, 
National Redress Scheme came in and they were giving people uh, a way to find uh, a resolution for um, times when they'd been through abuse. And also mm. I have been trained to do group facilitation, which can take place in a school or a community or a sports club or something where a large number of people are, are in dispute either with each other or with the organisation. Okay. And uh, just thinking about the approach to these specific areas, the skills that I bring to the table, I give each person in the conflict the understanding that I care about their difficulties and I can offer a way forward. And there are ways that people can work through pretty much any dispute as long as all parties really want things to be better. Mm. And really mediation is an informal process, so... It's not a legal thing that can be used later on in a court or anything. But there's one thing that's required in every single mediation, and that is that all parties are coming to the table with the idea that they want this uh, dispute resolved. They want the relationship to be healed. And so um, if that is the case, then the skills I bring are being able to listen really well and give the different parties some coaching on how to listen themselves and how to handle their emotions during what could be a difficult resolution process. Mm, perfect. And, and as a mediator or facilitator, um, what, what techniques or strategies do you employ to create a collaborative or, or and constructive environment during the mediation or facilitation process? Yeah, great question. The process that has been developed to do mediation is very helpful, and they've been developing this process for a long time now, and there's various different organisations in Australia that do training for mediators. Uh, and there is a, a very well um, organised and, and uh, created process that mediation works through, and I've found that that process has been really helpful in creating a great uh, atmosphere for for uh, engagement and conversation. And the practical strategies that I like to bring is, is listening to understand rather than listening to respond. And most of the time when we're in conflict, it's a pretty emotional sort of environment. You know, you kind of feel uncomfortable, but mm. it's helping all parties involved to not sort of store up in their mind, okay, this is what I'm going to say next, rather than doing that, coming to the view that help me understand this other party. You know, like why are they thinking the way they do? Why are they saying what they say? And that's a different kind of listening. Yeah, so listen, I like that. You know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so um, we help people work through those disputes and, um and we ask the parties to reflect uh, back to each other what they think they're hearing. Uh, that creates more understanding and, and gives the other party a knowledge, well, do they actually get where I'm coming from or not? And I also coach them about what they might be feeling during the resolution discussion to prepare them and help them to go through it and cope with whatever difficult emotions might arise at that time. Okay. And uh, could you share a success story um, from your experience as a mediator or a facilitator and 
how are we how are we able to uh, guide both parties involved towards uh, yeah that mutual satisfactory resolution or agreement? Yeah, well, obviously, whatever I do is confidential, but just to give you a general impression of oh, one, that's right, yes, <laughs> one of the ones that I've done recently uh, yep. was workplace dispute, mm-hmm. and and as I approached this particular workplace in mediation, uh, always we talk the, to the two parties involved. And we also talk to the management or HR people who are the leaders over these different parties that are in conflict. And we get a a view from them about how the conflict started and what it was all about. And the leadership in this case were very convinced that these two parties would not be able to reach a resolution. They felt it was actually impossible but they felt like they needed to go through the process as you know something to tick the box and whatever. Okay. Um, anyway, we as we got into the mediation, and oftentimes mediation, as we go into the actual session to do mediation, it's usually about a three-hour session. Uh, sometimes it's a bit quicker, but often it does take three hours to work through all the issues and talk about it. Uh, but this one was over in an hour and a half, and the two parties came to a resolution and an agreement together. And I was actually quite shocked myself <laughs> um, because at the very beginning of the mediation, it, it was very, very difficult. Um, and as we were working through it, um, we actually got to a moment where one of them just expressed respect to the other person. And it just seemed to change the whole direction of everything. And eventually the second party expressed respect to the first party. Mm -hmm. And those two suggestions or ideas about respect for each other, it just turned the corner and allowed them to sort of think about, Mm -hmm. okay, well, how can we make this workplace relationship more better, you know, more healthier going forward? And they came to an agreement. So I was really excited and happy to see that happen uh, and really blessed you know, to see a great result for that one. Awesome. And um, you're on the other end of it. Uh, could you discuss a particular challenging or complex dispute, obviously in general sense? Um, yeah, just yeah. a non-specific uh, <laughs> a scenario of a conflict you've uh, mediated or facilitated? Yeah. As I mentioned before, obviously all parties must come to the dispute in good faith, which means they mm. want to see a resolution. They want to see it better. However, you know, these days it's very uh, common for people to have um, mental health issues. Mm. People really struggle with depression, with anxiety. Um, some of them face much bigger issues and and it can times be very difficult Um if one or both parties feel that they are the victim and that the other party has acted unfairly, sometimes that pain and hatred can run very deep. Still, they need to approach it with the view, I want this to be better. Um, And so we have to sort of bring the person back to the dream, what I call the dream, which is what do you love? You know, what is your passion? Do you really love working here or do you really want this relationship to be a good one Um, and then you can move towards uh, a better outcome if the conflict is not resolved well would you Mm. be actually missing out on something 
that you do value right now. Uh, now we move towards the power of listening. And if both parties can really understand the truths, the feelings, the motivations behind what the other person's saying and doing, it gives them a perspective to move forward. Perhaps they may never agree on every issue, but that's not actually the goal. The goal is not agreement on issues. The goal is deciding to work together in a healthy and appropriate relationship. When one understands the other, they project a sense of, okay, I get you. I understand you. And this leads to an acceptance of the person, even if they don't agree on an issue. Mm, okay. And you hit the nail on the head there with that one um, with uh, perspective, because I was going to mention that, but then you you did mention that. That's good. And I was going to ask you if that was the, the key factor, but yeah, definitely putting it into perspective uh, will, will really create that mindset uh, at the beginning, right? Yeah. And um, I don't want this one to sound like maybe you know, giving you a sales pitch or whatnot, um, but could you comment on what sets your mediation or facilitation services apart uh, from others in the field? Um, could you uh, just maybe got touch on how you ensure that your services provide value and help parties achieve uh, sustainable and long-lasting relationships or outcomes? Yeah. Yeah, sure. No worries. Happy to talk about that. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned at the beginning, you know, um, my first career or my mostly lifelong career was being a church leader. Um, And I had a full-time role in church ministry for over 40 years. Um, And I think, you know, what I'm mostly good at in that kind of environment is pastoral care. So that's my, I guess, my personality, my gift or who who I am as a person. Mm, That's good able to really deeply care about people, mm-hmm. uh, empathize to be able to see and understand people and, you know, not to be too challenged by people who are either uh, angry or upset or trying to be dominant or or maybe on the other side of the coin broken and, and destroyed or, you know, falling apart or whatever. But, you know, just learning all those people skills over that length of time and then on top of that adding now the the process of mediation as a learned skill, um, you know, has brought those two things together and I think has given me some great uh, capacity to be able to mediate well. And um, I know like Australia-wide mediations generally experience like an 83 to 85% success rate in getting a written agreement. Mm-hmm. And at the moment, I'm running about 90%. Um, and so, you know, there have been a couple that didn't work and sometimes that doesn't even get to a joint session. But um, mm. but it's been great. And, um, and I think my manner and approach is helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I must be independent, unbiased, um, so people don't think I'm on one side or the other. Uh, When I go into mediation, because I don't want to appear to be biased, I won't tell them anything about myself. I won't tell them I have previous church background. I wouldn't even tell them what football team I barracked for (laughs) or even what suburb I lived in because I don't want either of them to think, oh, he's on their side, you know, because, Mm. you know, he – they're the same football team 
fans or something, you know. So um, yeah. I'm just Mr. Blank, you know, Mr. Nobody. Yeah. Um, but at that time, I do offer genuine care and mm-hmm. empathy and understanding to both parties, no matter what position they're in at that time. Hmm. I suppose that'll be a big one, yeah, with um, either party thinking that you might be biased on either side. Yeah, that's that's probably would be a big concern, actually. I didn't think of that actually till now. <laughs> I'm glad you're thinking of it. Um, well, as a uh, leadership coach or team building uh, coach, um, what what's uh, what do you believe are the key attributes or skills that make an effective leader? And um, how do you help individuals or teams develop those qualities? Yeah, great. Thanks for asking me about that. And so um, what happened was, and as I began to do some mediation work, particularly in the workplace sector, mm-hmm. um, some of the mediations were taking place between pretty significant leaders who were like chairman of the board or partners in a business or the CEO, um, sort of pretty significant leaders. And at, at the end of the mediation, I used to get quite often feedback from these people saying, you know, thanks for your um, guidance and help in terms of, you know, how we build our team and how we do our HR work and and how we, you know, need to put the right people in the right jobs. And, and, and I was thinking, okay, obviously uh, over the years in leading in the church sector, I've learned a lot about leadership and also about team building. So now I've also begun another aspect of my business is doing leadership coaching and team building coaching, mostly in the business arena, but happy to do it in mm. in not profit, not for profits, or coach or what or a church arena or whatever. Yep. Um, and again, just having a lot of experience in really knowing people, uh, understanding the ways of people, and and also uh, having done leadership in the church sector for many years, got lots and mm. lots of resources about leadership building and team building skills and um, leadership is a people skill and I really believe it can be learned and it's enhanced by having emotional intelligence and many leaders have learned technical skills like management, sales, IT and tech skills but they don't actually have the people skills to manage a team and get the most out of the team. Mm -hmm. As you would know at the moment Chris there's a lot of challenges in the workplace some people want to work from home some people are happy to go into the office Um, you know there's been this issue of what they call quiet quitting where people don't Mm. want to work too hard you know they just do the minimum requirements Um, and there's been a lot of conflict in the workplace that i've noticed people who were happy to work at home now they're sort of demanded to come in to work and they don't like that and they're mixing with people that they didn't have much to do with before because it was all online and their conflicts are developing so for a workplace management person there's a lot of these people issues coming up and if you don't have the people skills to manage your team and work with your team and develop that sort of effective teamwork well it can have a big impact on your bottom line you know and so it's it's been mm. an enjoyable pastime to work with some of these people and help them develop their 
their leadership skills and their team building skills so that they can see the whole uh, business move forward better. Yeah, that's great. But um, yeah, I think it hopefully will be a sound of relief to some people that it's definitely a, a skill that can be taught. So that's awesome. <laughs> and um, again, could you share a, you know, a non-specific uh, success story? Um in regard in the realm of uh yeah being a leadership coach or team building coach where you saw a significant or you witnessed a significant transformation in a leader or in a team yes yeah for sure i'm coaching one person at the moment in an enterprise in melbourne and they report that they've seen a significant change in their own well-being as they are now less stressed and seeing more progress in the outcomes that they're working at and as they approached their role over the last few years, it was really, really difficult for them. They kind of got uh, put in the deep end, so to speak, and were trying to tread water and mm -hmm. working through some really difficult issues and staffing problems. There was a lot of conflict in their in their workplace and a lot of financial restrictions. And uh, you know, they, they considered quitting themselves as a key leader many, many times. Um, but as I started to coach with them, they they were able to sort of build their team, work through some conflict with the team and um, bring the right people into the right space, you know, so that people had certain gifts and abilities, but they probably weren't working in that role um, and they needed to shift into that role and that can often have a real positive effect in the whole team, not only just the person who's now working in a role that they're more suited to, but the the rest of the team seems to benefit from that as well. And, you know, helping that leader to to do some vision casting, which means, you know, developing the team to think, well, what we're doing here as an organisation is really making a difference. So it mm. gives them that sort of passion to say, yeah, I love coming to work because I know that what we're doing is really good. It's making a difference to other people. And, you know, when that teamwork starts to sort of gel like that, there's a real synergy takes place. And this person I'm coaching now is not only feeling less stressed and more excited about the project they're on, but uh, they're also developed their own uh, second in charge kind of person who's probably eventually going to take their role on. Um, and so it's, it's resulting in a real progress for them personally and for the organization that they're in. Perfect. And in today's fast paced and ever changing business environment, um, how do you assist leaders in developing adaptability and resilience? Um, could you provide any particular, um, practical tips or techniques that leaders can use to navigate uh, uncertainty and drive them towards uh, success yeah, or drive yeah. their teams towards success. Yeah. yeah. We'd love to share about that. Yeah. I think self-care is really paramount for any leader, no matter how many people are in your team, no matter what level you're at as a leader, whether it's in business or church world, not for profit or anything. If you're leading people, and you don't look after yourself, then things are not going to go well for you. And we must be able to resource ourselves at all levels. It's our physical well-being, our health, our mental health, our resilience, and 
very important also is purpose, you know, making sure are you in the right space? Is this where you belong as, as a person and what you want to get out of life? And the real purpose that we work or engage in any project for needs to be clear and aligned with our own values. Overwork or too many distractions can lead to ill health and lower results. And, uh, you know, sometimes just really simple practical tips like, you know, are you eating well? Are you sleeping well? Are you exercising regularly? I mean, these things sound too simple to even be something you'd need to talk about. But oftentimes the pressure comes upon leaders and they feel like I've just got to get through this. I've got to, got to get that done. I've got to fix this issue. I've got to, and they do extra hours um, mm. and they probably feel stressed and, and anxious and worried about things. And, you know, when, when that happens, you skip meals, uh, you don't get enough sleep. You think to yourself, well, I don't even have time to go to the gym, you know, like this, maybe next year, maybe, you know, maybe at the end of the year, maybe this, maybe that. But you need to sort of look after yourself today so that next week, next month, you're feeling on top of it and you can do what you need to do, you know. And we've got great resources that teach leaders about resilience and how to develop that in your life. Uh, great resources that help leaders to understand how are they going in relation to how others perceive them. Mm -hmm. There's a, a feedback called 360 degree feedback where you get oh, yep. feedback from leaders over you, leaders beside you and people under you. And, you know, emotional intelligence includes the concept of self-awareness. Mm. If you don't sort of really understand how do I come across, you know, how do I sound when I'm talking to someone, you know, when I'm trying to maybe discipline them or help them to do better, am I coming across kind, bombastic, uh, coercive <laughs> or, or fun? You know, how do I come across? Mm. If we don't have good self-awareness, then, then we really lack a lot of uh, momentum in leadership and the 360-degree feedback can really give us a lot of help in terms of that self-awareness. And uh, so, um, you know, these are all practical things, tips, ideas for leaders, whether it's in business or any other field where they can, you know, make sure that they're making a real difference in what they do. And yeah, I guess it's, uh, it's not what you say, it's how you say it, right? With a uh, we'll final question, it's a, a memoir question. Um, when you pass on, what would you like to have been known for? Yeah, I've never really been asked that question before. <laughs> <laughs> it was a uh, question that haunted my childhood at the uh, when I was in youth, and uh, the youth pastor asked that uh, for to everyone, and it was uh, it was a big existential crisis for everyone at that time. <laughs> we had to answer as like thirteen, fourteen year olds. Yeah, <laughs> I guess now I'm passing it on. I guess it's something you think about when you get older. I don't know. Mm. But, I'm just happy if people say he cared, you know, he put others first. That would be enough for me uh, to be known for, I think. Well, thank you for uh, coming on and uh, telling me your story and uh, the listeners and hopefully I'll take something out of this and obviously yeah, use your services too if they needed any mediation or facilitation. Great. It's been really good talking to you today, Chris. Thanks so much for this opportunity. Pleasure. Thanks, Greg. 
You are listening to Noteworthy Differences.